What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, we have a repeat guest. He was on episode 181, so make sure you go back and watch that. Today, he's back on teaching us about how to lead a real estate team through a market shift. Welcome back to the show, Michael Gillis. What's up, Michael? Welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, good, good to have you back on, and good to have you here, by the way. We should say uh, we're in our office in Arlington, Virginia, doing a mastermind with top-level real estate agents from all over the country. Uh, what are some of your biggest takeaways so far from the mastermind we've been putting on today? So the, the new format has been awesome. So it has been uh, that real mastermind style where we put, it must have been 30 different things on the whiteboard that all these different teams needed to work on. And then we're just sort of workshopping all of them. And so hmm. the biggest thing <coughs> for me right now is making this shift from uh, being heavily in production to spending a lot more time coaching my team. And so some of that is because of the market. Some of that is just because it's where our team needs to go. But um, you know, talking to people that have done it and figuring out what it's going to take is kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's amazing when you get around other high-producing agents and people from all over the country and, and can learn. And that really is one of the benefits of the Hyperfast Agent Mastermind and the program that we do here. You get to learn from Carrie and myself, but you, you also get to learn from agents all over the country. You see what's working in their market, what their challenges are, and bring that back to your market. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to hyperfastagent.com, and you can check out our programs, our events. There again, that is hyperfastagent.com. Um, so, you brought up an interesting point, I think, about you know, <coughs> working on coaching your agents versus production. I've seen a lot of smaller teams now, anyway, uh, where the, the leader, because of the market shift, because of less transaction, the leader, which um, you know, or he or she are, are really diving back more into production now in some cases. Is that the case with you or are you still working on getting the agents more productive no so um, so I've been in production pretty heavily and the we uh, we had a sales manager um, and decided to uh, to make a change there just because it didn't seem like it it wasn't working for what the agents needed and just in the couple of weeks since then uh, where I've been kind of pushed back into that role, talking to our agents more, looking at you know, what it's going to take to get them productive. Um, it's just kind of this revelation that what they need is uh, is more coaching. Hmm. Um, a lot of skills, right? Right. We've been so busy in the last couple of years that we lost some of that. You know, our skills were focused on, well, there's 14, 14 offers. How do we write an offer that's going to work, right? But we lost some of those skills where you know, we really had to, to do a good job converting, talk to buyers about why it makes sense to buy. And so we're kind of trying to shift my focus now away from some production. We've got some amazing agents on our team that will benefit from me not doing that production. It means that they can take it on. And then it means I'll have a lot more time to spend working with them, trying to figure through what are their challenges, what are they, what are they converting well on, what are they not converting well on. Some of them are here this week, which is awesome. So we're picking up a lot. 
Yeah, a lot of good good nuggets there. You know, I, I think agents that are team leads that are jumping back into production or ramping it up more, you know, that, that could obviously help them do well during this this shift. And and that that is tempting. I get it. And it's also a little short-term thinking, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, you, you do need a path to be profitable without just trading time for money. Uh, multiple ways to get there. Um, so, you know, I, that would just be like my cautionary tale to those agents that are diving back in doing more. If you need to do that for short-term sake, that's fine. But look at it as now you have multiple jobs and a side hustle and you still have to train the team you know build other sources of income so you know if, if you need to do it short term great but work on multiple fronts for a few months to kind of pull yourself through so i right? think you're you're gonna hear a lot where uh, where people are saying that that a shift in the market is an opportunity but I think the problem is that a lot of team leaders are going to dive so far back into production because they're afraid. You know, maybe their maybe their numbers have come down. Maybe you know they're they're looking at their expenses and they're trying to figure out how do I cover more of this. But the opportunity is if you actually do something different. If you make a push, if you uh, if you either add to your marketing or maintain it when everybody else is is dropping it off. Um, and then if in, in my case, I'm going to focus on getting getting our agents really, really super productive right now, then we're going to come out of it on the other side with more market share. And a lot of teams, especially newer teams that haven't experienced uh, much of a shift yet, um, I think we'll hear that there's a lot of opportunity, but I don't know if it's actually going to sink in. Right. If you were in real estate uh, back before the crash, um, so I, I got laid off twice uh, during that time. I worked for two wholesale mortgage lenders. Got laid off twice and made the smart decision for some reason to get into real estate right in the middle of the crash. <laughs> and um, everybody told me I was crazy. Um, and I came to work with my parents, which is you know, kind of a cool thing. Um, and as everything else, as everybody else was pulling back, um, we pushed hard on branding. Uh, we added new lead sources. We pushed into all that stuff. And I think it was in 2008, we increased uh, we increased by like 30 or 40 percent when everything else was was crashing 2008 or 2009. Um, so how did you do that? It was because that 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 crash, by the way, was nothing like what's going on now. It was like way worse. Yeah. Right. They made oh, movies scary. about it. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, what we've seen so far is more like a pause. There's just like less deals out there but really it's it's back to a normal level like 21 it was up 20 percent now we're down 20 percent so we're, we're back to baseline level uh how in 08 when you did see prices deals all that following foreclosures how did you go up 30 40 percent it was so we actually increased our our marketing and added to our team when most people there's a ton of people getting out of the business right and um, and so we pushed really hard on targeted branding in some very specific areas. A lot of it was higher price point neighborhoods just because with price points, I mean, price point dropped in some of these neighborhoods 40 plus percent. But if we wanted to keep some kind of price point up, we had to still target the higher end. So 
we put a lot into that and we're still benefiting from that now you know we're doing some different things with those neighborhoods but um, you know but it was it was everything from direct mail to adding online sources which is a whole different ball game hmm. you know whatever it is 14 years later but um, but when everybody else was was pulling back um, we kind of turned into the skid and just said look you know I guess we could get screwed if you know if we put all this money out there and then it doesn't happen but as everybody else was pulling back the name that people kept seeing was 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 us love it well the other thing you talked about was improving your sales skills the last couple of years agents a lot of them can, can could could get by just being an order taker right write an offer hope that gets accepted you know list the house it's it's gone you know 10 offers yeah. <laughs> now now you need more sales skills right you you have to really walk through the financing with buyers and different rate buy down programs or you know arm arm versus uh, fixed rate right and like no one was having the debate of arm versus fix when the fixed rates were in the twos or, or threes so you, you need to you know have more financial skills more analytical skills more sales skills and you got to be realistic about setting prices with sellers and learn how to stay in communication with them for yeah. several weeks or, or months as their house sells uh, you know what are you doing to improve the sales skills and abilities of your agents yeah I think you're right I think that there are some agents that have been really successful over the last couple of years that probably won't be in the business you know, at some point in 2023, because you know they they got pretty good at taking some of these leads and you know finding a way to, to, to win an offer, but there wasn't a whole lot of actual sales process going on. So right now, what we're hearing more than anything is um, uh, is well, rates are r rates are too high. I want to wait for them to come down. You know, well, what if the market crashes? And so we put together this workshop with our team and we said okay let's let's talk about you know all these different fears that buyers have and let's figure out you know what what are the actual numbers that come around those things and it turned it the idea was for it just to be a brainstorming session and it turned into this document set of uh, a scripting document for each one of those things um, a uh, like a leave behind a hand handout that we can give them and then an actual worksheet and the whole idea there was to say, okay, let's, let's assume that the market dips by X percent, right? What actually happens over the course of the time that you plan to own the house? And once you actually do those numbers, it's not nearly as scary as it seems. But what's the typical agent's answer to that right now? You know, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, rate, rates are high, but, you know, it, it'll get better, right? Which is, which is fine, and it's true. And rates will probably come down. Um, and... Uh, you know, and a buyer can, can refinance, but that doesn't help them with the mindset. Right. Like if you've got a buyer that's that really wants to buy but can't figure through, you know, getting over the the fear of what might happen, then they're not gonna do anything. Right? If they're scared or if they don't know what numbers actually look like, then they're just gonna wait on the sidelines. And ultimately for most buyers that's not a good thing. And so, you know, we put together uh, these few documents and the scripting one you know is is critical you know you figure out okay why do you want to move and what's your timeline and if you know what their why is like let's say you know we really need to downsize because uh, you know my my husband can barely make it up the stairs right
um, then what's more important? Is it is it well? What's what's the market going to do over the next twelve months, or is it getting your family into a house that you can actually right? Buy, right. So once you know the why, and then you know the timeline, most buyers aren't looking at a one or a two year timeline, right? You know, they might be looking at you know three or four years if they're military. A lot of people will say, well, you know, my kids graduate high school in ten years, so this is like a ten year plan for us. And then you just work through the numbers with them. You take a half an hour, twenty minutes go through and say, hey, look, this is what the numbers look like for your situation with, you know, the price point that you want to be at and what you plan to put down. Um, and you put real numbers around their fears. And then in most cases, the fears go away. Yeah, I, I think that's, those are types, those are conversations that agents really haven't had to have for a long time. So, you know, you have to practice that yeah. with your team. And, and I think having the worksheet is a great idea because for most people you know if you zoom out five seven ten years uh you're gonna you're gonna be fine probably yeah you know the numbers are one year maybe not i don't know but but ten years yeah like well and that's just it <coughs> unless unless something unexpected happens most buyers aren't going to be in a house one year right so so it is true yeah you you look at it you you know you if rates come down to the point where it makes sense, you you refinance out of it, and then you've still got the house, all the benefits of it. You know, you've accelerated your amortization. You're not you're not still renting. You know, there's so many benefits to it when you actually just put them down on paper. Um, if rates come down too, this is the other thing people don't realize. Uh, if rates coming down probably pushes home prices up. Yeah. So if you're sitting on the sidelines and you know, whatever price you could buy a home for today at seven percent, if the rates came down to five, um, you know, you might lose some of that <laughs> uh, purchasing power and the price going back up. You know, I don't know where that balance is, but it is a consideration. Whereas if you had just bought at seven and it went down to five, um, yeah, you, know, you can refi and have increased equity, probably. Like we don't know, but I think you made a good point. Like if if you have to buy for because of your life circumstances, you know, you're probably going to be okay. If, if you don't have to, then, you know, it's, it's a different circumstance, different yeah, analysis. I mean, it, it is, but at the same time, you know, do, if, if you're not happy where you are and, you know, the whole idea is if you're saying, well, let's, you know, let's just wait it out, then, you know, well, how long do you wait? How long do you stay kind of miserable where you are or at least unhappy where you are? Um, and then I don't know if I was talking to you last night or somebody else, but um, but trying to actually find the bottom is pretty much impossible. Yeah. Right. Because if let's let's say you know you're you're following it down and it, it kind of comes here and then you and then you realize you know that it's the bottom. You're not going to realize at the bottom. No. You're going to realize it four, five, six months later when prices have already have already gone back up. And then you've waited and uh, you've. you've stayed where you are and you've you know whatever your situation is and you're still uh it's probably hard to buy at six o'clock but i have heard from some really smart people that they would rather buy at seven o'clock than five o'clock if that make you know if you look at the market as like a clock yeah um so meaning on the early side of it they, they'd rather buy at seven after it's hit the bottom than at five okay. and not knowing that they're you know 
not knowing if they actually bought it five versus like three or four. I guess the right. So so they're waiting for it to happen, but it yeah. it is you're never gonna catch it exactly, and you yeah you could you could get burnt and missed out, if right? You're, if you're super savvy <laughs> and and you're watching close enough to figure out where six o'clock is, so yeah. that you can so that you can hit seven o'clock, then and you and you can do it. You know, you don't have to move. There's not something really pushing you. Then that makes sense. But for most people, you know, they're they're looking because they've got to move. Well, and to be fair, this this was coming from someone who helps run a family office with a few hundred million. So they're they're doing it strictly from investment right. point of view. You know, not from the point of view of I need a house to live in. I might as well get somewhere that I really like and will love for the next five, seven, ten years, whatever. And I, I do think, um, speaking from a lot of experience on this, like actually having a place, a home that you like and are comfortable with, uh, it's worth a lot of like peace of mind. Yeah. I think it helps you be more productive. Like we've been in this situation for the last two years where the house we're building has been delayed and we're you know, I think by the time this podcast gets uh, published, we'll actually be living in it, which is nice. But um, you know, that that's obviously caused a lot of time waste and peace of mind and productivity. So, uh, so I do think having a place that you're going to be happy with for a number of years is that's that's worth some peace and security. And um, you know, like when you're living in it, it's not just an investment. <laughs> well, and. It seems like the financial side of things is what hangs people up. Yeah. If they're uncertain about it. But there's a whole, I mean, quality of life, uh, half of that equation that you've got to that you've got to add in there, right? Yes, it's, I mean, you know, it's an investment and all that, but it's also where you live, where your kids live, you know, where, you know, where you come home to every day. And so, you know, if you're putting off a purchase that you really need to make, you're crammed into a place that's too small for your family or if you can't go up and downstairs or whatever the case is and and you're holding off because of some of these fears then as agents we've got to be able to talk people through that right look at the numbers and help them understand that hey look it probably makes sense for you to to do this and here's the financial implications of it and it's not nearly as bad or scary as you think it is what um what do you think about this this report just came out today i was telling you before the podcast here uh dow jones is up a thousand points i think that's its, its biggest from biggest jump since 2020 uh and the, and the driving factor is the inflation numbers came out 7.7 7. Mm-hmm. so i think i think the prior month it was 8.2 so so the market thinks that maybe inflation has peaked and is coming down and maybe we'll get back to the level where the fed tapers off or even pauses on these uh, rate hikes. Well, inflation's uh, what's what's <coughs> driven all of this. It wasn't it wasn't a drop in demand. You know, yeah. the, the demand was there until what was it May when that that first scary inflation report came out where where rates really started rates really started going up sometime around there. It was er, yeah, earlier this year at some point yeah. they've been kind of marching up and then that seemed to accelerate and, and kind of hit a an inflection point, yeah, May, June. I don't, I don't remember when, but. Um, and so, if if we do start to see that inflation number come down, then it means that you know, everything that the Fed has done is finally starting to take effect, you know, amongst other things, I guess. But 
Um, but that's where if buyers start to get a little bit of confidence back, if they start to see some of that, and uh, especially if it starts to affect rates, that's where we're going to see this, this little dip that we've seen in prices start to go back in the other direction. So um, I really don't think that we're going to see this just really long protracted um, uh, uh, dip, in, dip in prices because, um, because the demand's there. And we're still short on inventory. Right. Inventory is still pretty low. And then when you look at, at, at this on a national level, for new family starts, the new housing starts still are nowhere close to catching up. And so that demand's going to be there. It's just buyers kind of getting over this this fear of where they're at right now. Yeah. Well, uh, we shall see. You know, we don't we definitely don't have a crystal ball. Um, how many people are on your on your team now? By the way, I don't think we touched on that. Uh, so we've got uh, we've got about ten agents. Okay. And um, and four full time staff, a couple part time staff, um, and uh, you know a few listing agents and. And then a big group of, of buyer agents. And what, just so people listening and viewing now, maybe they'll send you a referral. Uh, where, uh, what areas are you covering? Yeah, so <laughs> we're, uh, we're we're just south of of you, so we're in the Stafford and Fredericksburg area, okay, Virginia. So, um, kind of up and down 95, uh, definitely south of DC, north of Richmond. And you you just made a big move with your team, yeah. right? Yeah, for sure. What's, um, what's that about? So <laughs> we uh, we were with Remax. We owned a Remax franchise for a while that we then merged with a with another company. And um, and after that merger, we really started looking at looking at our numbers and opportunity. And um, and in I think it was June first, uh, we made the move over to EXP, which. Um, is super exciting and you know there's there's two sides to it um, it turned out just to be a no-brainer just from a team standpoint we were able to give our agents like a depending on their production like a 7 to 11 percent raise with doing nothing more than just making the move Wow and um, and then from a, a team standpoint um, even with we have a, a new office space that should be opening up in a couple of weeks and so we're taking on new rent and some things like that. But even with that, we're um, we're about a hundred thousand dollars less being paid to a broker, and uh, and that's including adding in that office rent. And so wow. we were looking at apples to apples. It's almost a two hundred thousand dollars shift. That's a lot of money. <laughs> and, and giving and giving our agents a ten percent raise. And so uh, we're we're super excited about it. Our agents are really happy. Um, and, uh, and it was kind of a two-piece thing for us. Yeah, you know, one, it's, it's you know, how do, we, uh, how do we figure out you know, how, to, how to do what the agents want us to do? But then from a brokerage standpoint, um, it's, you know, it's, it is about the money. You know, when it comes right. down to it, we can, if we can pay our guys more money and we've got more resources to put into marketing, you know, or to take as profit, however you want to look at that, um, it was a total no-brainer. When you look at paying not just paying two hundred thousand dollars to a broker, but but when the when the delta is two hundred thousand dollars, it, it's impossible to ignore. And I, I I hate that I even waited as long as I did when I look back. That's that's most people's biggest regret, from what I've learned, is is that they didn't 
do it sooner and you know there's there's the whole tech side of it but i, I think the genius in it really is just the the, the model <laughs> like you're eliminating everything from national down and, and you're really creating a flat organization that can operate a lot cheaper let the agents keep more money and then oh by the way it grows not through professional recruiters or signing bonuses or any of that it, it grows by rewarding agents that help bring other yeah. agents to the company when you look at at brokerages now how much value do most brokerages actually offer you know if, if you're talking you know in the case of a team you know if, if someone's paying three hundred thousand dollars to a broker are they getting three hundred thousand dollars worth of value there's no way right and then as an individual agent are you getting 30 or 40 or fifty thousand dollars worth of value um, probably not right and and in a model where you know if you're paying uh, you know 15 or 20 percent like a traditional brick-and-mortar type of uh, uh, type of program um, 50 grand adds up really quick, right? Once you start. Once oh, you start, yeah. It doesn't take long. Yeah, and do that over 10 years, 50 grand a year, and like reinvested with compounding. You're talking a million bucks over a decade, and like, and that's really just saving money on like moving your existing business, right? Like, like your, your cost of living, <laughs> uh, if you will, at, at the brokerage. Yeah. Like, let alone what, what you can do on, on building the recurring income through revenue share and, and that, you know, bringing people on and, and you can bring people on uh, 23 different countries now right 50 different states all that like so uh, if if people want to learn more about uh, joining at exp or whether they're a solo agent franchise owner that is you know maybe not going to renew um, what's how should they find yeah, you uh, send me an email Michael at Team.com or um, uh, or call me or text me. It's 540-699-0030. And there's some really cool stuff that we're that we're that we're rolling out here pretty soon. Where we're going to have uh, several different tiers, right? Um, a uh, a salaried agent tier, which you don't see a lot in uh, in traditional real estate. Um, a, uh, a typical team real estate role. And then a, a an, another tier where we're able to offer um, access to coaching, um, uh, office space, all sorts of things locally. And then of course, whether it's uh, if it's not local, then um, you know we have access to uh, to national trainers. We have all of our own coaching stuff that we're able to push out there. So there's so much that that we can do with it that we just couldn't do before. Yeah, no, it's it's an amazing model. Let's wrap up with the hyper fast round. I think you've done it before on episode 181, but we'll see if your answers have changed. All right. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent? Yeah, you're gonna have to work harder than you think to get your pipeline going, and you've got to treat it. Uh, you've got to treat it like a job. I don't necessarily like the word job but mm -hmm. um, but you have to dedicate the time to it because if you think that you're gonna get your license and then just everyone you ever know is gonna flock to you it's not gonna happen and that's why what's the number like 90% of, of agents yeah something like that 87 years. yeah five years 87% are gone uh, biggest mistake you see experienced agents make huh um, I think a lot of agents uh, just get stagnant and they don't make they don't make a push 
and they don't they don't try new they don't try new things, right? They you know maybe they uh, they kind of made their made their bones in, in you know in, in one neighborhood and that's kind of where they work and you know and, and they're unwilling to try digital marketing you know mm. or they're uh, you know uh, whatever the case is there's there's always something new to figure out and then the landscape's always changing so if you just keep doing what you were doing 20 years ago chances are somebody else is going to win do you think you'll have a bigger year in 2022 or 2023 2023 all right uh, when you're not working on the business what are you most likely doing? If it's warm out in the summertime, we're probably on the river. Um, if uh, uh, once we get into the wintertime, um, I, my son and I try to go skiing as much as we can. Not every weekend, but as, as many as we can. All right. Where do you see yourself 10 years from now? Uh, I'm going to be your neighbor in South Florida. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm definitely not leaving the real estate industry um, uh, I love real estate but there's uh, especially with EXP there's the opportunity to do things in in different states and uh, and so um, plan on, on on having our team and building our team and giving people a lot more opportunity and that's part of with backing out of, of production I can uh, I can give give more opportunity and keep things growing all right well thank you for being on the show to all of our listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. Please share this episode with other real estate agents, people thinking about becoming agents. Leave us some feedback. Leave us a review, too, by the way. We love it when you guys leave us reviews on iTunes. We'll see you next time.